I have a one word. I have a one word title for Bob Woodward's next Trump book. Why? This is Corey, and this is the Odiantha Podcast. Good afternoon, everybody. It's Rob. Welcome to episode three thirty six of the Odiantha Podcast. Coming to you from the hashtag OTA LA Studios, high above the one ten freeway in downtown Los Angeles, California. Thank you for joining us. Yes, and let's start right there with uh, Mr. Woodward and his new work. Uh, had unprecedented access to Trump for this whole thing. Uh, did 18 interviews with him, all of which, were, all of which were apparently recorded. And uh, we heard some of that after our show last week. So, Well, we heard all of that after our show last well, week. Well, I mean, there's still some stuff that's in the book. Oh. So we don't know exactly what the entirety of what is out there is out there. But uh, I'm excited to uh, hear more because... Uh, <laughs> there is there is clearly a lot already based off of what we have. Yeah. So let me put this to you. Uh, let's say I was well known for taking down, I don't know, a presidential administration. Yeah. Forcing someone who was about to be impeached to leave office. Would you, as the sitting president, sit down for a bear all interview with me? No. That being said, as you pointed out, every president has basically had a book done by Bob Woodward. Right. And uh, in fact, this president has had a book done by Bob Woodward. He sure did. Just to be clear, not this book. <laughs> there was another book. <laughs> not the one that you you should buy because I'm sure it's going to be good. <laughs> so uh, why don't you... My shilling is not for Rob alone. I'll, from time to time, I'll slum it and do for Bob Woodward too. I mean, like... I'm I don't like, think he needs our help. <laughs> Uh, what was your, your explanation? They're going to look at the, the book sales and be like, wow, it really went up all of a sudden. It's almost like a Robert N. Cheek novel. <laughs> what, uh, do, can you, for the people, give a recap of what, how you explained it to me in the pre-show yeah. of a Bob Woodward interview? Yeah, so uh, Bob Woodward at this point, after he broke the biggest piece of journalism there ever was with and, the Watergate. Yeah, was, to be clear, uh, Bob Woodward was part of the Woodward and Bernstein that took yeah. down the Nixon administration. Right. With Deep Throat and all of that. Now, he was a very young man then, mm -hmm. younger than he was portrayed by, I can't remember which one of them is portraying Woodward. Yeah, in, I don't either. In All the President's Men. I don't want to speculate because yes. I can't remember. But both of those actors are older than he actually was when he did that. He's yeah. been in D.C. a long time. Yeah, and uh, basically, at this point, he's sort of like uh, the type of reporter that people feed good scoops to. Like he's sort of a good scoop aggregator is like how I like to to put it earlier. And uh, there was a, a story that was on Pod Save America, but a bunch of Obama people who had the Bob Woodward experience once, which is he comes in, he sits down with the press secretary. They bullshit for a little bit. And then eventually he goes like, well, I'm writing a book and I have all these sources on the record and I have all these documents here. Uh, so if there's anything that you have that would help, like illuminate this further then by all means I'd love to hear it but you know he's basically got the story before he sits down to write him <laughs> before you know like he has the interview with the president and stuff like that he, he more or less has the story he wants uh and he's just trying to find the good things that trying to find the cracks in the story a little bit so and I believe for his first book he didn't have access to the president in in Watergate or no, oh, no, the, in, first in, Woodward, uh, the first the first Trump, Trump book. book yeah yeah yes. yeah so uh how it had happened there was uh Basically, they just let Woodward walk around the West Wing for a little while. Also, not a, a great idea. Weeks. Yeah, like just having one of the best investigative journalists there. Uh, just but like, basically, what are you doing in this guy's office? Oh, I was throwing something in the garbage. Uh, <laughs> what are those papers in, in your briefcase? Oh, those are mine. I brought them in. 
Well, all right, thanks. Thanks, Mr. Woodward. Where does that garbage go specifically? <laughs> I mean, after it leaves this office, does it go somewhere else, somewhere where someone might be able to uh, intercept it? or? Well, I I don't know. You, you probably have to talk to the janitor about that, but let me get him for you. He's right down here. <laughs> why, don't I, why don't I take it out for you? I'll, just, <laughs> I'll take your trash. I'll ask the janitor. I'm just curious how the inner workings of the West Wing are. <laughs> Like, <laughs> that Bob Woodward just really ah, He's into his job He, he knows how to get to all the angles Wait, uh, Which uh, director is it that uh, worries about The trash that's in the trash Being accurate Oh, man. Is oh this, yeah yeah A uh, story I heard with um, the. It sounds like a Fincher thing to me It might be yeah. that, No, it was, it was Whoever did the, the one about Watergate uh, Where he was like What's in the garbage? And like, oh, we we just printed out a bunch of random stuff on inkjet. And he was like, no, 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 they wouldn't have inkjet printers. What I want you to do is to get typographical paper. I think they did that with the post and Spielberg, right? Yeah, yeah. Okay. And they were just like, yeah, we got to get mimeograph paper and typograph paper and actually have them type up stories from this week. Right. That would have gone out on the post and then crumple them up so you can't read them and put them in the garbage. (laughs) Like, no one's ever gonna see this. It's amazing. uh, Just. For people who don't know how Hollywood works, it's amazing how if you pause on like a TV show where they're reading like a newspaper, yeah. the headline will be, you know, mayor indicted on sex charge yes. or whatever. Yeah. But then if you like look at the article, it'll just be like, Bob is a pretty boy and Bob likes his pony and po- ponies are fun. And it's just like whatever nonsense. <laughs> All work and no fun that. make Jack <laughs> yeah, the dull boy. It can't be like the same exact thing because yeah. it looks obvious, but like it's literally just nonsense where it's like thrown out. It, it, you might as well just like in the... Uh, uh, autocomplete version of this. Oh, like yeah, you would just hit, hit the hit. middle <laughs> over and over again and whatever kind of story. You if you've get. ever built a website and you just drop in a text block and it's like Lorem is Lorem is something. <laughs> yeah, it's like that basically. But there are some directors who do not allow for that. And if yeah. you're reading a paper, they say, What was on the front page of the Washington Post on this day in nineteen seventy seven? It's recreate seemed, that for me. It almost seems like they're more prepared than the president of the United States. Oh the, yes. Well you know Hollywood director. Uh <laughs> What what is amazing about this whole thing though is that uh, the last time the Woodward book came out, it was bad and it had a lot of things that the Trump administration didn't want out there. Much like every administration doesn't like whatever book yeah. <laughs> Woodward books out. Uh, some of them aren't as scandalous as that as that one, and they they still don't like it. So well, you remember that, uh, that goes the, with the territory. The Woodward book about Obama's tan suit was <laughs> not well received by the Obama administration. Obama threw it in the <laughs> fireplace. <laughs> Fuck this book. <laughs> That was a great Obama. Was that your Obama? That's my. Oh, okay. I good, did, good. I, don't ever make me do it again. I think it was a one-time thing. I can do an Obama. But I can only say "fuck this book." That's all I can do. Sorry. See, so everything needs to lead to that. Just him walking around the West. Fuck this book. In this one, in particular. Also, he needs to be a uh, heavyset white guy. Uh, For whatever reason. Uh, there's nothing negative about that either. I will not do it in blackface, though. Don't make me. There are lines of will not cross. Um, but no, uh, basically, the last one came out and it had no quotes from Trump other than like things that were in, you know, uh, on the news or like he had a rally and he said something like there was no direct uh, interview of Trump in the last book. So Jared Kushner, boy genius, <laughs> thought that the only way that we could fix whatever problem would come out from this book is having some Trump in it to begin with. Yeah. Because then it won't be broken. Well, I, I <laughs> believe be... we said in a previous episode that it's sad that everyone has learned that how you manipulate this presidency. And yeah. It looks like Bob Woodward did a little bit of that. Like, what I'm going to do is use whatever quotes I want, and then I'm going to write another book. And, of course, they're going to say, no, 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 you're not going to use these quotes <laughs> out of context. You're going to sit down with 20 hours of interviews with the president and get direct quotes this time. And like, 
Okay, fair enough. Let's well, you do that. You know what? I would like to have it recorded just because, uh, you know. I don't want to don't want to miss. I don't want to get it out of context. Yeah. Well, okay, good. That's absolutely so, right. It's about time. Yes. It's about time you take your job seriously. <laughs> <laughs> Bob Woodward, what yes. have you ever done? <laughs> I don't see your name on any buildings anywhere. <laughs> There's literally my name everywhere. Own, do you own a casino in Vegas? Yeah, right. Shut the fuck up. Oh, wait, wait. I forgot. This is Kushner. Uh, do you own low-rent, run-down <laughs> apartments all over the East Coast? No. My name's not on those either, but I do own them. <laughs> I own them through a shell corporation. <laughs> Uh, so there will be a lot that comes out. I'm sure we're going to release this episode and everything that had been said already is going to pale in comparison to whatever they held back because that's how book marketing works. That's how it works. Uh, but the fact that we got, uh, Trump acknowledging way before and anyone said anything to us like prior to (laughs) shutdowns or anything like that, (laughs) that it's airborne, that it's not a flu type of situation. Trump even remarked on how many people die from the flu. He's like, it's 20,000 people a year. I, I never even could have imagined. Yeah. And then th- that's like a, you know, 1% problem, but this is like a 5% problem and like all the stuff that, you know, it, it would have been helpful if we knew ahead of time. And he admitting that he basically tones it down because he doesn't want to be like a source of panic, which and I the can, most ironic thing, by the way, I can, this I, guy doesn't want to be a source of panic. I can understand the logic behind not wanting to be the source of panic mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. maybe you don't say everything that you know but i also maintain that part of the job of president is giving us the absolute most you are supposed you can tell us based off of what you know for sure so like if i was the president at the time i know there's just a leap of fancy here but mm-hmm, if i was the mm-hmm. president at the time and i got the information that it's airborne and that it's going to spread a lot more than we think that it is and we're in a real situation here uh, I think I would try and tell people that in some sort of way. I would say, uh, be careful where you are because this disease is showing signs that it might be airborne. So yeah. there might be things that we can do, like wear a mask that will help mitigate that spread. But we should also, you know, like try and do everything I can to keep people from panicking by giving them information. The problem is that when you don't give people information and they find it out later, then they're angry that you didn't tell us. They like, well, I mean, if I went to if I went to Vegas for a weekend and you were just sitting home like, you know, just playing games and like then you I, found out. Yes. Yeah, By the way, I'm, uh, I'm on Warzone now. Robert right. and Cheek on PS uh, Network if you want to <laughs> add me. Uh, but if you uh, if you just opened up Instagram and you saw me in Vegas in a non-COVID time. Sure. Yes. You'd just uh, be like, hey, what, what the, the fuck? fuck? <laughs> the fuck, man? Can't even, can't even mention it to me. Like, Rob is now angry at me because I didn't tell him about it. Yeah. If I told him ahead of time, I was like, listen, I'm going to Vegas. But, you know, like I. You can come if you want, but I'm really serious about, like, I just want to, like, lock myself away and not deal with anything. Mm-hmm. So if you're okay with me, like, literally, like, putting myself in the corner and not talking to you for three days, then you're welcome to come. And then it would have been up to you whether or not you Listen, uh, nobody puts ba- uh, nobody puts Corey in a corner, <laughs> all right? Uh, only he can do that. Uh, but, and, you know, this president infamously doesn't want to cause a panic. Uh, that's why he would never show the impact of a hurricane actually going much further than anyone predicted it would. Right. Um, he certainly he, wouldn't change it with a Sharpie to yeah. illustrate exactly. He wouldn't say things like MS-13 moving in next door, like the burning. Of well, your, that was Matt Gates, but oh, that was at his, uh, yeah. <laughs> his uh, convention. His so. RNC that he yeah. controlled everything The Donald for. Trump convention yes, that happened yeah. 
<laughs> brought to you by the RNC. Yes. Uh, he wouldn't, uh, you Sponsored know. Sponsored by Hostess. He wouldn't say that Antifa was coming to burn down your houses. Uh, he certainly wouldn't accuse ancillarily uh, Antifa of starting wildfires all across the coast. Well, uh, I mean, not beyond even that. I mean, you know, it's, it's not like he doesn't want to cause a panic, but he will also like allow people who live in places that didn't vote for him to live in some sort of form of pa- panic. Because, oh, oh, like, see, I, see. I don't know if yeah. you guys noticed uh, where you are in the country, but when I looked out last week at the sky, it looked like a hellscape of <laughs> un- unlikely proportion. And I live, I live in downtown Los Angeles, which yeah. is far enough away from the fires, but uh, chances are that if you lived anywhere west of the Mississippi, you probably saw a little bit of the smoke because apparently it was in Dallas, too. So... If you're anywhere west of Dallas, you probably have some sort of smoky haze in your sky, and it's because all of California is literally on fire right now. I I will say that, admittedly, on Sunday, I did not leave my apartment. Uh, I was playing Warzone literally all day, so Mm -hmm. I can't say anything about Sunday. But Friday, Saturday, and then today... It was very weird to get in the shower in the morning, and usually I have you know bright sunshine coming in my window, and I'm very upset about it because who wants to be up at an ungodly hour like you know 10 a.m. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, and then it was weird because I got in and I'm like, whoa, what time? It's like is nighttime. It? Yeah, it's like yeah. it's not quite night, but like twilighty, and I'm just like I open up the blinds to peek out because I have a window in my shower because yeah, uh, architects, and um, I look out and I'm like, oh man. Yeah, it's just so cloudy. And someone told me today, they're like, oh, you're getting a taste of uh, L.A. in the 90s. This is just what it was. It was uh, hazy every day. People, uh, you know, uh, for all the talk of climate change and uh, how real or real it is, uh, you can look at pictures of New York from the 70s or L.A. from the 80s and 90s and see things that don't look anything like Those play. You remember at the very beginning of when everyone was locked down and there were still cars on the road, but we yeah, were locked man. down and L.A. had the cleanest air in the country or in the world. Yeah, uh, it looked like it. You could look in the sky and just see like, you know, the perfect blue sky and everything like that. And it, it's really um, and it's not been horrible here since we've moved here, but it was definitely a difference. But it, the problem is that, you know, like we're, we're dealing we're still dealing with the wildfires. And last week. Uh, there was also talk that perhaps the evil Santa Ana winds might be picking up, and that was the last thing we needed yeah. at that moment. Uh, it's it, there's a, it's almost like too many catastrophes. That's the problem. Like you know, if if Trump was ty- trying to downplay his one catastrophe, then maybe we could we could understand his logic. But he's downplaying multiple all catastrophes yes. yeah. all at the same yeah. time, which makes it very difficult to. Well, luckily, Corey. Gavin Newsom is on it. Gavin Newsom, of course, our lovely governor who always looks like he is sewn into the finest uh, suit. Now, you'll see. I didn't know Brooks Brothers did a fire edition. but You'll you'll see in in the image that I picked for him for our show today that he actually is not wearing a suit because he wants the people in the fire zone to know he's taking this very seriously. So he looks amazing, but no tie. To be fair, that was a white shirt before he ventured into the forest. So <laughs> it was true. a brand new crisp white shirt. And uh, that's what that's what happens. It's like Ooh, it's bad out there. Uh, so he, I get I, I basically looking at him in this picture, holding up the paper, going like, I think I have the black lung pop. <laughs> if there was an American governor who would look at Zoolander for inspiration, it would be Gavin Derek. Gavin. You were in those mines for one day. <laughs> So uh, the paper that he's holding up 
uh, is actually a bill changing the state requirements for being a firefighter. Now, I think we've talked about this before. Maybe last year. Yeah, during the, last fire season. When yeah. the Santa Ana's kicked up and the fires got really bad. But in California, uh, we use uh, a largely, we can't call them slave labor because they do make like 70 cents an hour. But yeah. mostly slave labor uh, fire force, which is made up of prison inmates from across the state. 70 to 100,000 of them who go out and fight fires for 77 cents an hour. Right. And um, then once they get out of prison, cannot become firefighters because they have a criminal record. Well, this paper that you see Gavin Newsom holding up is an official change to state policy, which says we still are keeping the felony conviction issue. But if you served as a firefighter for more than one fire season, then you can actually get a, an accommodation to apply to be a firefighter. See, so, I thought there was an expungement that was going on there, too. Yes, like, but the expungement is based on being a firefighter. So if you murder people and then just do your straight time, you can't expunge it and then become a firefighter. But I'm saying, so. like, I, I feel like, uh, to me, uh, what I would like about this more is that if the expungement came with the actual record going away, mm-hmm, like, mm-hmm. you did the time. You you know what you did. You have to live with it. But if it's something petty, which most of these guys are in for drug possession. Yeah, probably. I mean, like, you know, if, if it's like, you know, you had you had two pounds of pot in your car and you're only allowed to have one point nine one pounds of pot in your car, which, you, by the way, is not you, far apart. in California. You criminal right? asshole. <laughs> like uh, maybe maybe I did the time and I'm OK with that. Like I've learned not to carry around. Too much pot. Too much pot at yeah. one time. Yeah, it's not that you have it. I've it's learned, how much you have, I've Corey. learned the lesson of how much I will carry at any point. I'll just do it one joint at a time. Now, wait, time. wait. Don't carry the scale because the scale's an accelerator, <laughs> which makes you seem like distribution. Right. So you can't weigh yeah, it yeah, to yeah. be sure. You got to eyeball your, your ounces and know how many you have. But just make sure you're short. Yes. No matter what. Just Always make sure you're short. <laughs> yeah. And maybe even accommodate for a scale that's not properly measured. Yeah, a, a like, cop with a heavy yeah. thumb that's just uh, leaning down yeah, on the scale. Yeah, just putting it down. Yeah. <laughs> Um, oh my god, it's fifty pounds of pot. It's literally one joint. <laughs> well, here, here's the problem, Corey. Is you are looking for justice, and yeah. there is no justice in this. Right. This is we are commodifying your body, and you were a good firefighter, and we'd like to commodify your body further. So right, but I mean, like, so to me, I think that there is an area of criminal justice uh, so far which has been left unexplored, mm-hmm. which is the you did something bad, so you're punished. Yep. But yep. if you do something good. Perhaps the punishment can be lifted a mm-hmm. little bit or to an extent depends on, you well, know, the scale of what's going on here. But I'm saying, like, if you're going out there and you're fighting fires for California and the thing you had on your record was a drug charge. Yeah, I'd be fine with, you know, if say you're three years into your four year sentence or something like that, like. Okay, you can go after the fire is done, and we're going to expunge the drug arrest. Okay. Like, you served your time. You know what you did. This doesn't have to be on your record because you did something heroic. You know, like... Let me give you a thought experiment. Much like Sully should be allowed to get away with a p- petty crime because he saved so many people from the airplane crash and the, the oh, Hudson. Oh, you know, he's got to be driving drunk all the time. Yeah, you know, cop pulls him over and he's like, are, we, are you Sully? And he's like, yeah, you're a pilot. Like, I've, let me be honest mm-hmm. with you. I've piloted a plane way worse than this. <laughs> and the cops are just like, I'm going to let you go, man. Uh, mm-hmm. I believe you. And, uh, you know, here uh, the, so. the car's having a little bit of trouble because I got hit by a gray goose. <laughs> 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 I 
Okay, wait. Thought experiment. Here. <laughs> what can Sully get away with? Is there no no? Is first there of all, I'm trying to I'm trying to put myself in the mind of the audience, going like, wait, who the fuck was Sully again? Yes, a, a guy. Who, <laughs> have we have we filled a, in the story enough? Hit like, by do people his remember? plane got hit. He landed in the water. Uh, portrayed by <laughs> Tom Hanks. It basically kind of? happened a million years ago, or like six years ago in like real person time. Yeah, I, I, time has no meaning anymore. <laughs> but your thought experiment. Do you know who Mumia Abdul Jamal is? Not by name. One of the founders of the, oh damn, Crips or Bloods, one or the other, mm-hmm. serving four life sentences for yeah. murder. Right. Although didn't pull the trigger himself, but a a contract style murder. Yeah. Gangland murders. Yeah, yeah. Since his, he's he's probably getting the uh, uh, what do you call it the three strikes. Or like the the Don policy, or like a lot of a lot of states have no 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 not even the Rico part. There is like in certain states they have like the Don policy, where if you're the head of a criminal syndicate beyond Mm -hmm. Rico, they can get you on things that you ordered. Yeah, I I think it was either Rico or was that he didn't pull the trigger, but he's serving life for murders that were done at his command. Right. So, um, nonetheless, his name wasn't Mumia Abdul Jamal when he went into prison. It was whatever his birth name was, Mm -hmm. converted to Islam, became an absolutist about peace and no violence. And it is estimated that 40,000 people have left the gang lifestyle because of what his his work. Yeah. Does he deserve at 60 years of age to be released from prison due to his good works against what happened? Now, again, didn't pull the trigger himself, may have ordered a killing, didn't pull the trigger himself. And now has reformed not only himself, but saved 40,000 plus young men from street gang violence. See, here's the problem, I think, with that logic, Mm -hmm. though. Uh, Because to me, the taking of a life uh, in a in a in a first degree murder type of sense and the and the you had a direct impact in the the murder. a, a, a drug dealer got killed who was your enemy drug dealer. Right. You're a but drug I'm saying, dealer. He's a drug dealer. He got killed. Yeah, I get. Just because the person is a drug dealer that you killed doesn't mean that they're not a human being. So oh, my wait. problem is that we, is that we should talk I, to the president about this. I wouldn't. Well, clearly, <laughs> uh, I would not want to be responsible for uh, letting somebody off the hook, per se, mm-hmm. uh, even if they've been doing good work, because at the end of the day, there's a family who's without somebody. Okay. And to me, you know, I know there's people who murder and don't spend life in jail, but to me, there's sort of a a uh, properness to it that the rest of your life is taken away from you because you took somebody else's. Okay. You know, like short aside a- then on that thought. What if you're a drug dealer mm-hmm. who is dealing in methamphetamine or, or pills or heroin? Does your same. Hey, listen, you got caught with 40 grams of uh methamphetamine but you're fighting fires and we should let you go and expunge it does that still stand the the difference there becomes the personal use versus intent to distribute yeah like because uh you know one of the things i i read a lot about in the country's task force trial because nobody died you know like nobody you know Gwen jenkins didn't shoot somebody which makes it like different than other police stories that we deal with i mean like he he didn't he caused accidents that well yeah but i'm saying like life. he didn't like he didn't shoot and kill somebody like we like we have seen in videos of police right but but what? of recent vintage you know like drove I'm saying, caused a driving accident that cost a life which is almost like ordering someone's death 
an enemy's death. Those they didn't die though. But so oh, I thought the guy there, in there was a there was a criminal syndicate that you know like was part of the bigger gun trace yes. task force trial, and they did a lot of opiates and heroin and stuff mm-hmm. like that. And I think they said that fifty eight people died from things that from yeah. their sources basically. Sure. Uh, to me, if you're getting to a body count like that then you the same rules apply as if you actually pulled the trigger to an extent to me oh, but because mumia's body count is 4 right so 4 where are we drawing the line here 1 so I'm 1 not, life that's I'm too not much? I'm not giving up on murder I'm not I'm not talking down on murder that's, that's the it's pr- a strong stance I'm just looking for I, the I'm looking for the stance and where the good versus the bad is I mean I I think that there you know within everyone's mind there's some sort of delineation between crimes that are so serious mm-hmm. that there's no there's no I'm sorry for and then you know like what could you okay one one more because aside. I mean like you know like are, you you could hypothetically argue too that uh you know a lot of people in the financial collapse caused a lot of crime yes right and yep. that a their actions deaths. might have led to deaths and stuff like that yep. but you can't it's harder to tie a direct action from somebody that was taken there like it's not like Bernard, Bernard, it, what's his name? Ponzi scheme guy? Oh, yeah, I know who you're talking about. Two suicides based on people losing their life to his Ponzi scheme. Yes, and terrible and tragic, but also if somebody else, you know, like we're, we're in that very difficult ter- territory of that one case that was a couple of years ago where the guy killed himself, but at the behest of the woman who was like <clears throat> telling him to do it, basically. Make sure you check out the Everyman movie review of I Love You, Now Die. The Michelle Dockery, I think, story? Yeah. No, Michelle Dockery is an actress. Sorry, Michelle Dockery. That (laughs) you. Michelle something out of Massachusetts. But yeah, it was uh, via text. She was ordering him to get back in the car, and he killed himself. Right. And I mean, like, you know, if... if, It's way more complicated. if If that was what was happening, then you could make a different argument for it. But if somebody decides to do something on their own, I don't necessarily... Like, even though if you're in awful financial straits and you're ruined, like, obviously, that would be a reason to kill oneself. Mm -hmm. Uh, And that situation happened because of the Ponzi scheme that they were a part Mm -hmm. of. But at the same time, they chose to make that action. But that drug addict chose to take the drugs. No one forced them to. Yeah, but the drug dealer got remuneration for providing a product that might possibly kill them. Bernie got remuneration for the Ponzi scheme. He has billion a billion dollars that's never been found right but he was also so his crime was the financial impropriety of it all mm-hmm. the fact that he set up a system and duped people into it okay uh i have one more side because i think you but you, I'm, I, I'm saying like i get where you're coming from with this whole thing and like at what point do we justify a life is lost but, but I, I think that there has to be more of a direct action too and even though it would be great if we could just start locking Wall Street people up on murder charges that they didn't actually physically commit. We absolutely should start. Uh, I don't. At the same time, it's 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 so loose that I wouldn't want to. I wouldn't want to go down that primrose pass for where it would end other uh, legal justice. Fair if enough. I if I get onto the highway and I think I have enough time to get in front of the car who's in in the lane. And that I cut them off breaks. a little bit, and they slam on the brakes. Yeah. And five cars back because everyone was slamming on the brakes. There's a somebody fatal died. accident. Yeah. Is Should it my it. fault? Right, right, because right. I cut somebody off. I get. You. I I'll still don't you. think that I had enough acknowledgement of what could potentially go wrong mm-hmm. to say that I would be liable for that. And you probably. But would. under the same logic of, 
I ripped off a bunch of people in the financial collapse and I never did any time for it. Yeah. You can't really tie one of those things to the other without okay. with, with knowledge beforehand. You one know? last part. Yeah. I think you assumed uh, because I said he was born with a name and he, he changed his name to Mumia Abdul Jamal. Mm-hmm. You assumed he was black. But he joined the Nation of Islam. Is that fair to say? I mean, that was a clue that would make me think that. I honestly didn't okay. start to think so, about who he was. Like, let me just clarify that as an experiment and just say, what if he was white? Does that change your answer? No. Okay. I, 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 uh, I'm trying to draw uh, lines between you and the president. And I mean, <laughs> clearly that would well, be we a started, thing. We started with, uh, with Bob Woodward and we're here. So well, we're trying no, to we, redefine we were, what... <laughs> we had moved on to Newsom and, and Newsom meeting... Tri- and I, really, this, uh, this transition is because... Newsom signed a bill uh, that would allow people who had been firefighters and have minor crimes to have those crimes expunged, essentially not expunged just generally speaking, but if you apply to be a firefighter for the purposes of being a firefighter, we'll expunge that crime. Yeah. Yeah. But uh, only to, you know, continue to um, make your body worthwhile to the state and to the, the our system. Right. If you wanted to go get a job at, I don't know, McDonald's. No, we're not going to expunge it for you. Uh, and, that was met by also Trump, not to just continue talking about him, but hey, it's American 2020, uh, visiting the state just today and um, meeting with Newsom. And Corey was not happy about how the governor reacted. I thought that the governor showed remarkable pluck in saying exactly what he had to say to try and get a reaction from Trump, a positive reaction, where he said, hey, land management, uh, 70% of the land that uh, forest land in California is actually. Bureau of Land Management, it's federal land, so we can only do so much about that, but we want to work with the BLM, uh, that's Bureau of Land Management, not Black Lives Matter, uh, in order to do better management practices, we need money for that, and thank you for making uh, marking it. And then he said something about, we can disagree about the climate science, but, and then went into a, a yeah. concession to Trump that you were not happy about. I'm just generally not, so... Newsom in particular doesn't seem like the type to take shots. Garcetti is more of a shot taker than Newsom is. Uh, I think Garcetti was was saying today that, you know, like, well, well, Trump's responsible for thousands of people in Los Angeles who died because he didn't tell people the information that Bob Woodward had months ago. Uh, I I think if this was a Garcetti Trump situation that might have been a little bit different. I still wouldn't have liked the result, but I'm thinking it's a little bit different. And there's this like kowtowing of people to Trump because he is the president. Yeah. That kind of bothers me because like, you know, if you're going to call him a fucking asshole behind his back, you got to do it to his face too, you know? And while Newsom isn't the type of person who's like taking shots at Trump, Mm -hmm. I still feel like the, you remember when, when Pew, Pew got voted in the same election that Trump did. Yes. And Trump went to like the Army Navy game before inauguration and Pew wrote him a letter and like met him for like a couple seconds mm-hmm. and gave him a letter talking about like uh, the Army Navy all the game, all the uh, things that uh, uh, Baltimore needed right now and stuff like that. Game played at M&T Bank Stadium. In yeah, Baltimore, yeah, yeah. Which is she didn't uh, travel to Annapolis. No, 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 no. <laughs> but it, it was in it was at M&T. And then she uh, but I, I still remember the video. You know, he's like walking through the halls and this is before he's even officially president. Yeah. But, you know, she like meets him and she's just like, I'm so privileged and honored for the moment to, mm-hmm. to step in front of you. And I hope you take this letter with the graciousness that a genius like you deserves or like whatever, like all this like 
fucking sloppy, like, you know, like pan pandering to him and stuff like that. And mm-hmm. it, it was just disgusting and it was awful. And it, I, I would rather somebody walk up and just be like, hey, we're completely fucking deserted here and we could use a lot of help and nobody has helped us so far. You could be the person who helps us. So please help us like that is at least making the statement with the with the truth of the situation behind it. Do you think that works? I mean, like, I feel like Trump wants to be wants to be adorned. Mm -hmm. But I think that there is a level to I think the people who stick around Trump's orbit the longest figure out how to adorn him in a way that also gets gets the person's. Like, I think I think I think Newsom would have been better off, per se, sitting down with Trump and being like, you know, hitting the the, the land management thing about how mm-hmm. this is mostly national forest, which it is like in L.A. It's Angeles National Forest, yep. which is on fire. Uh, I think he would have been better off just sitting there going like uh, you could you could leave an unprecedented legacy unlike anything else in this country if you could figure out a way to solve this problem, you know, like. Put, I think you put have it, more put faith. it on him to to rise to the level because it would be some some level of of people working would have to happen at that point mm-hmm. you know because Trump wouldn't be able to sit on TV hearing somebody say like you're the only one who can fix this and then not do nothing <laughs> like he has to do something at the very least but, but and i imagine that a many of those things that would be that would be done would be things that would be high on the checklist of gavin newsom because they are in the best interest of not only california but america as a whole what's the difference between what he did and that though the sniveling i didn't like the sniveling i liked i like the i like the uh and don't get me wrong i I am not one to speak because I stutter from time to time. I have the ADHD, so it's like I'm randomly grabbing words that are coming mm-hmm. in front of my face. Like I, I know that I'm not – I sound sniveling too from time to time. And I know how that can play. But at the same time, like he's got a I, – I don't respect you if you're – like all the people who are just like, well, if, if I was – you know, Churchill, I would have stood up to Hitler. It's like, no, you fucking wouldn't have. Like, yeah, there's only, there's only a certain number of these people who literally will just do what they feel all the time. Like the reason why we adorn these people so much is because they have a legacy of just doing what they wrote. Teddy Roosevelt, Churchill, like these people, you know, Hitler for as bad as his outcomes were, but still had the ability to say to people that he, they didn't like, Hey, I don't like you. And it's for this particular reason. And I'm not wrong for it. And fuck you. Like, you know, like, but as strong as Churchill was, he showed deference to the queen. He disagreed with her greatly. Yeah. And he thought she was a child and that she should leave the governing to him. Yeah. But he showed deference to her. But she was literally more capable of handling the job of just being queen, which requires no actual like work. <laughs> yeah. Than Trump is in this situation. So I so your I best hope from your best hope in this situation, in my mind, your best hope yeah. is that Trump turns from this moment and goes. They're going to ask me about this in a week, and I don't want to look like we didn't do do anything. Mm -hmm. So he turns to a certain group of people and says, you know, like, get this done. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that's more likely to happen if you if you raise the stakes on him and make him answer to it live. You know, because this this is going to be a moment in the debate. I can already see it because Biden's just building up to this. He's he's got a half dozen of these sitting in his pocket where he's going to look at Trump and he's going to be like. You know, 
at this moment right now you could you could pledge to spend just a measly $10 million and completely change the way that we do this. You could be one of the great leaders you want to be. You could be the, per, you know, mm-hmm. the, and then at that moment, Trump's going to be like, well, of course, I've already did done that. Jared Kushner is in the, in the works of doing it right now. And then we find out he's making calls frantically back, you know, yeah. like it, it's, that's it, bound to happen. There, there's no way to avoid it because there's no way you can set up a high stakes, like, if you're if you're of the mind, you know, it's just like if you went to a football player, it's just like, hey, would you do anything to win a Super Bowl? And it's just like, fuck yeah, I would. Like, <laughs> there's a competitiveness in there. There's like an id that I... more operates within the mind of people like Trump that would not want to look like an idiot if you raise the stakes on him. He wants to look like he's prepared for that moment in some way. My question is. So rather than like, oh, please, Mr. President, bless us with your ever-loving mercy. What show. would you do if you were put in Trump's presence? What would I do? Yeah. And I wanted him to stop the fires? Yeah. Well, I mean, like, there, there's a problem with me and the governor of California because nobody knows who the fuck I am. What if so you like, were the governor of California? If I was the governor of California, yeah. I would say, hey, you got a really big problem. All these, fire, all these forests that are on fire are in your land mostly, and we're trying desperately to fix this for mm-hmm. you because it's you know we're here we're on the ground we know how it works we've been battling forest fires for a long time like we have the 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 knowledge to do this mm-hmm. now is your opportunity to join the greats to be amongst the best presidents who ever lived and i would i would build that part up okay and i would be like do you understand that if these fires go out you're going to be remembered forever for that lincoln freed the slaves you put out the fires and I would just build on his like his ego and his like, oh, I need to do this and everything like that. Like mm-hmm. the sniveling people snivel to him all the time. People people used to walk up to him on the street. I'm sure. Yeah. He's just leaving the plaza. It's 1982. Whatever, whatever the case is. He's walking. Oh, my God. Mr. Trump. Oh, I can't believe I don't have my autograph book with me here at this moment. I can't believe you're here. I'll tell them about it later. Like, uh, they'll never believe you. Whatever. He moves on doing mm-hmm. jerk things. But, like, you know, if, if somebody came to him and it was just like, well, the only person who could pull off an economic comeback of this type was Donald Trump. Then, like, he would just be like, yeah, I've been working on it. You know, like, he'd want to take credit for that shit. He's not smart. Like, he's not, like, Earlier, I, could give you, I could give you a detailed analysis of mm-hmm. how to, like, get what you want from, like, a smart version of Trump. Mm-hmm. But that takes a lot more craft work, and it takes a lot more, like, setting the scene and stuff like that. Like, I feel confident that if I was Newsom, just Newsom put in that moment, yeah. I could handle that thing better than he did. Because it was too much like, oh, please, by the, please, Mr. Trump, we need you. It's Earlier, your problem, but we need you. And I'm not going to talk about climate change because I know you don't want to fucking hear it. And, Earlier this episode, yeah. we said we figured out how to manipulate the president to do what we want. Yeah. Do you not think that <coughs> Gavin Newsom has paid a lot of people a lot of money to figure out how to present the argument? No, uh, no, because uh, yes. So yes, he has. He mm-hmm. he has those people. I'm sure they're smart. I also think that alarming number of them are pussies who just do whatever Newsom tells them to do. Like he's put people in place to be not yes men, mm-hmm. but like the ones who like help make the decisions that he makes the reality. Like th- those people will argue a little bit, but will eventually go like, well, the governor said it like he's made a decision. We just got to live with it. You know? Okay. Uh, I, I feel like, I don't know. I feel like it, it, it Newsom for, uh, to help him being sewn into his perfectly crafted suits, had his balls removed as part of the 
speeding up process because he doesn't like what what the fuck does he care like he clearly doesn't want to get things done because when in the world have you ever seen somebody sniveling to Trump get something done all the time no Trump Trump is a Trump wants a smart snivel he wants somebody who Mike Pompeo, he wants a dynamic the majority leader in he, the Senate <laughs> Believe me, McConnell knows what game Trump is playing. That's why he stays out of it most of the time. There that's why never... that's why the only time you ever hear from McConnell is him going like, well, you know, it's never it's never been anything like the unprecedented financial success that we've had under this president. He's just fucking lying out there, finding out the same okay. thing. Right. He doesn't want to go out on news every week talking these lies. He just spreads them out every once in a while. RNC. Yeah, I'll do two minutes. Okay. Talk about how great Trump is like. <laughs> Well, I, for anybody who thought that uh, Corey had shifted away from the alt right, <laughs> calling the apparently calling he's some pussy. He's uh, shifted to I don't I don't know. Is that the is that you go so far right that you end up on the far left? Is that what's <laughs> happened now? You're attacking the Democratic governor of California from the left for I'm not j- being strong enough. I'm just tired of pussies. That's I, I don't know how else to put it. I I'm I'm so sick and tired of it because like you thought there was one revolutionary on this show. You were right. <laughs> it ain't the one you thought though. Good lord. <laughs> Speaking of which, well, no, I was going to say, speaking of guys who are in revolution, and another thing, I really, the, the tie into all of this is, you know, Trump has been saying from the RNC onward about how dangerous the job of police officers is. Yeah. Now, it's actually never been safer than it, to be a police officer than it is right now. Uh, it's actually much more difficult and much more dangerous to be a, I don't know, FedEx driver, pizza delivery person. Garbage man, coal miner. There are many jobs that don't pay very much. Yeah. Uh, that it's more dangerous than. But as you probably have heard this week, uh, over the weekend, uh, two LA sheriff's deputies uh, were shot. Uh, they were ambushed, if you want to call it ambushing, yep. uh, by a man with a gun. Uh, I don't like to call it ambushing because what they were doing is what you often see in LA, which is two people sitting in a car doing basically nothing outside of a metro stop. Um, okay. And. Um, they were described in the news as a mother of a mother of a young child and a young man just starting out his career. Okay. Mm-hmm. Both of whom participated, by the way, in the rioting that occurred earlier this year uh, in the George Floyd protests. Uh, both of whom had signed up and have been officers for more than 18 months. And I would assume both of whom live by the credo of the L.A. Sheriff's Department, which is beat first and then take a statement later. Well, hold on. Let, let, let me let me let me state something here first. Mm-hmm. <laughs> nobody. And this is part of my my hatred of what's going on with the police right now. Nobody deserves to be shot for no good reason. Nobody in this country <laughs> for any. The, the, there is no no justification for mm-hmm. walking up to a car and just opening fire on somebody. And if it was. If it was two drug dealers doing it, I would be just as angry about it. I there is there is no justification that that one has to walk up and do this sort of thing. So you want to be British? I mean, less gun death, sure. No, no. <laughs> I mean, you would like to be a citizen of the British Crown. You want us to be colonies of the British Empire? No. Because because I want King George just pushing me around with no guns around or what are we? No, no, because you, because you don't think it's ever there's never a situation in which you can be oppressed so much that you then use guns as an answer to that situation. I'm not saying that that's the case. I'm saying I understand how 
the how it could rise to this level where mm-hmm. somebody feels like they need to do something. But as soon as you've made that decision, mm-hmm. regardless of, of anything, as soon as you've made the decision that you're going to shoot somebody and then go forward with the act of actually shooting somebody, mm-hmm. you have crossed a crossed a line that is not that is beyond the, you know, was was the beatings worth it or something like that. You know, like I, I get where you're coming from with this. Uh, and I get why in the cops understanding of the situation, it's a war on police. Yeah. Where people are just going to start picking off people all the time. Yeah. Uh, Almost as if, you know, they were police officers and we were members of the public. My my problem more than anything is that uh, and I, I've been I've, I've been getting more keen onto some of these things just by watching police corruption elsewhere. Mm-hmm. And it's always amazing how it happens. But uh, the L.A. County Sheriff's Department put up on Twitter. Uh, uh, the first tweet was the moments ago two, two of our sheriff deputies were shot in Compton, transmitted to the local hospital, blah, 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 blah. Update one male, one female, mm-hmm. uh, critical condition, ongoing surge, undergoing surgery, blah, blah, blah. Suspect is still at large. Finally, they have a video, which is a video of a phone that is taking a video of the Security camera. Yeah. This <laughs> image that people can see on the screen. Right yeah. Uh, which of is an unknown person walking. Which up. is a great cop tactic for, I don't want to show you the original yeah. piece of, because clearly this video goes longer mm-hmm. than <laughs> just this moment right here, but this looks really bad. Yeah. For the kid who shot into, and looks like a kid too. Yep. I don't know how old this person is, but. They don't can't tell gender. They can't tell age based on the video. So Yeah, but I mean like, you know, like it. it it looks like their head is just tall enough to reach over top the window. Yep. So maybe it's a really short person, but could be a woman. Could looks, be a really short person. <laughs> looks could be a kid. Teenager. Yeah. Uh, here's here's the part where uh, I'm starting. The, the, this is this is the part where I have problems with the situation, okay. and we don't know a lot. So I really don't want to get deep into like the motivation of the shooter or anything like that because we don't know that shit. We don't know any sure. of this right now. Uh, <laughs> it could have. That that kid might have been arrested by these two cops, and he saw this moment as the time to get retribution. Might be personal. I don't know. Yeah. I don't yeah. know anything, and I don't want to. Even though that sounded like speculation, I don't want to speculate because <laughs> it could be something that we don't know about. It could yeah. be the stepdad or some sort of weird thing. Again, more speculating. When I said I wouldn't do it, but uh, what bothers me is the statements that come next. Okay. So uh, L.A. County Sheriff said to the protesters blocking the entrance and exit of a hospital emergency room yelling, we hope they die, referring to the two L.A. sheriffs ambushed today. Uh, you know, do not block emergency exits and mm-hmm. stuff like that. But this became a huge talking point of yeah. like Rev Club there, were, LA. there were protesters who were like, you know, like blocking the entrances and chanting. I, I saw a video of one person saying. I hope they die. I don't know if you saw differently. Did you see some yeah, I mean, mass I follow, wave of people? I follow Rev Club. so uh, Okay. So yeah. you did you see a massive club of people who were... 12, maybe 15 Blocking people? entrances and stuff uh, like that? Walking on the sidewalk that crossed in front of entrances. I mean, this is the problem, is that like, if one person says, I hope they die, I'm not putting that to a large group of protesters blocking the... You know, like, there, there there's a lot of... You know how Fred, how many people still think Freddie Gray died because he hit some bolt yeah. in the back of the van by accident? 
And that story was put out by somebody who knew a cop who knew somebody who knew a cop who knew somebody who knew the medical investigator. Uh, I mean, got pushed in in the Washington Post. That was pushed out by the uh, police union. Uh, yeah. to the news just right yeah, yeah 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 so they know <laughs> they knew somebody yeah. who was involved in the case and then all of a sudden that becomes a talking point for a while or the rough ride like that was clearly how freddie died because mm-hmm. uh that's not clearly how freddie died but like, rough rides are a real thing though i've yeah. been on one of those oh that's i know fine. but they realized that uh, i think the police realized really quickly it's going to be way easier to get one person off for this yep. i.e caesar goods and the van driver because there's not a lot of video they knew immediately how much video there was in yep. the situation they control the video yeah, and they they knew that he wasn't gonna get he wasn't gonna face any punishment for it. So it yeah. was better to put the the stink on him and make them stop looking at what was going on prior to the drive mm-hmm. to uh, make it so. And that's what people know about Freddie Gray now. What what the police put out there to cover their own asses. Yep. This is my problem with this whole situation. I right now where the information is the freshest and people are still trying to figure out exactly what happened, who was involved, and. You know, like all the all the other things that take a little bit of time to to work out. Uh, it's it's too it's too early to to start making assumptions about any of these things. And I, I, you know, of my taste, uh, I don't think that it's it's right to uh, celebrate <laughs> this moment because it's just violence. And I don't, I the violence begets violence. And at some point, we have to. See, walk that's away from <laughs> super important that you say that because violence does beget violence. Yeah. And I'm guessing that this must be the first incident of violence against people of color in the city of LA. And that's why we have to be worried about more violence that would come of this. I let, believe me, I understand where you're coming from, mm-hmm. but uh, I am of the mind. And you know what? Uh, honestly, it's not my, it's all of our fight. Mm-hmm. The, the, uh, systematic racism that lives within our society and stuff like that. It's part of all of us to fix it. Yeah. But I would rather listen to what the people who are on the ground fighting the hardest, who are at the front of the movement, who are saying that we don't want more violence to who's saying that? What? Who's saying that? Because the 12 to 15 people that were outside the hospital are literally on the front line fighting this fight every single day. This is their life. Their life is there, fighting this fight. There are there are multiple factions within okay, the fight. Okay, so you're citing the, one of the factions yeah, of the movement. The large majority of the people who are out there protesting every day mm-hmm. who would like there to be a change to policing because So you're you're looking at the Gandhi to the Tamil Tigers of that are marching or the Martin Luther King to the Malcolm X's that are marching cuz Again, I've made this argument so many times. I've been making it See, since 2000. For the last so, six years. Hold on. No, you, no, because the point is, it's easy to say most of people say that, that, that we should do it this way. And you're right. Most people do say that. But the movement makes no, no progress whatsoever without the more violent aspects of it. Uh, Gandhi I, would be no one if the Tamil Tigers hadn't been bombing and shooting and assassinating people. I, and Martin Luther King would have accomplished nothing. If the weather underground, if Malcolm X, if more violent people weren't willing to take violence to the police. That is a fact. It is a fact. And you can't argue against I, it. And no, you can say, yes, on. most people want to be calm and be nonviolent. No, because I, I, I will argue specifically on, on, on King that he would put himself in situations that would create violence based off the actions of the other people. That was an important part of his whole philosophy here. He knew that there was going to be violence. 
Yes. He knew that he, he was stepping into the moment yes. where he was going to get beat. The people around him were going to get beat. And the reason why we look at the Edmund Pettus Bridge and situations of the like and say that is awful and things should change and everything like that is because he knew that he was going to show up at that moment and a lot of people were going to get beat and it was going to become a story. And that's, I, I mean, I, I think that the 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 people who are going out right now, the, the vast majority of the people who are protesting right now, right, are not on the the extremist side where they want to see people police officers shot they don't want the property damage they don't want all the things that are associated with the work they're the better the worst sides of the rioting and stuff like or the protests i think most people 90 percent of people want real change without the the violence associated that's where you get lost that's where you get lost because the only reason listen i respect john lewis and everything that he did and martin luther king leading the movement that's great they all they made great sacrifices and great strides. But the reason we look at Edmund Pettus Bridge as a turning point isn't because of what happened there. It's a turning point because of other things that were happening that you don't study in history classes in elementary or middle or high school or even college. You have to go out and find the information about people, white people, black people who are willing to go out and terrorize sheriffs in the South that were burning down police stations, that were attacking sheriffs when they could get them by themselves. There was a rash. Uh, the open to uh, the... Um, there's a show on HBO, The Watchmen. Watchmen. Yeah. The open to The Watchmen is based on a... Based, semi, on a real story about... There was a rash of people who would find sheriff's deputies in their cars by themselves and assassinate them. And the reason that Edmund Pettus became the Edmund Pettus Bridge incident is because basically they riled up these sheriffs enough to say, hey, whoa, we're not going to take this anymore. There has to be a violent side of the movement because real social change doesn't come without it. Because when the majority says we should do something different but doesn't do anything for 400 years. In 1960, it had been 350 years of the same thing. Yeah. Fighting against slavery. Fighting against Jim Crow, nothing changed. But yeah. when finally people took up arms and said, we are going to terrorize these people back, then the center shifts. And someone like yourself, someone like myself, arguably, says, well, we don't want this violence. So I like this guy. I like this guy who wants the same thing but isn't willing to kill people over it. When the political center shifts, change happens. <laughs> that is the... All of the things. I wrote a damn book about this. Yeah, but here, here's the problem. And, and then we'll move on because we're really... Way over time. We're really going long. Uh, I, I, I understand where you're coming from. And I would argue that if you, if you had the opportunity to ask Dr. King if violence helped... I don't want to ask Dr. No, King. No, but I'm saying, like, I'm, I'm saying like, even if you took a peaceful person yes. and asked them, did the violence in some way help your, your thing... Yes. They could acknowledge ways in which it did. They would have to because the historical <laughs> record would be replete without them. Right. But at the same time, I'm going to I'm going to do I'm I'm going to say that this is this is why violence does not make a lot of sense in this situation. Because the nonviolent ones are going to be the ones who, for the most part, are at the table negotiating what actually happens. As they it's should. It's the it's the it's the Dr. Kings who are not going out there and doing doing the violence you don't want me which negotiating. will be more likely i'm gonna start make saying let's put them all up on the guillotine and when all of these folks are gone then i'll mm-hmm. negotiate with who's left 
You need Dr. Kane to go up there and be like, all right, listen, I know you've been beating us for the last six years, but I'm willing to come to a peace with you. You don't want the junkyard dog to come out here. Like, you'd rather yeah. negotiate with me than re- negotiate with him. I get all that, yes. but I'm saying, like, I there, to me... There's a guy back here who's to going me, to break in your house and tie your family to the couch and burn the house down around you so that you can watch them die first. You don't want that guy out here. You want Dr. King out here who's going to make peace with you. Yeah. All right, so I'm glad that wasn't... Uh, well, before we transition enough. away, let me just say, oh. and it's just me. It's not cool. You're not on the screen. It's just me. Um, I said six years ago uh, when the events in Ferguson happened, and I seem to say it every single time. When you put your knee on a man's neck and you watch him slowly die over nine minutes, when you're going to shoot someone in the back, when you want to claim blue lives are a thing, you're all wrapped up together. And these two sheriffs who sat in a car may have never done anything bad. When you wear the gang colors, you get treated like a member of the gang. And it's only going to take so long. I said it was going to happen in 2012. Didn't happen then. Uh, then in it's 2014, happened, I said happened, it was going to happen. It's happened three times, basically. It, it has happened, happened three times. And in, when New it York, happened, in New York, cops got shot in their cruiser. Yep. There was how many officers in Dallas that were shot at in a crowd or something like that? I can't uh, remember also exactly. also happened in Nevada, two cops going into a, a burger joint of some variety. It's happened yeah. here. They, there have been but, isolated I mean, like the, fact, the fact that we can, we can remember the four or five times that it happened as opposed to the thousand people yeah. a year who get killed by the police. Like. But it is going to continue, and again, I'll take Corey off. It absolutely <laughs> should continue to happen. You cannot meet violence with nonviolence. It is no change will happen. Again, I refer you to the fact we are still fighting the same battle. 1619, 2020, 401 years of fighting the same thing for equality, and nothing has changed. If you go to South Alabama today, you will not know that, that there is anything like equality, anything in the world. It looks exactly the same as it did under Jim Crow. People act exactly the way that they did when slavery was in effect, drastic problems call for drastic solutions. It's going to continue to happen. And if, if you are so upset about police getting shot, if you're upset about ambushes, start getting upset when the police are ambushing someone, when the police are kneeling on someone's neck for not for nine minutes and killing them, when they shoot someone in the back without cause, get upset about that. Because if you're looking for the cause of why this happened, that is it. Let's go to the but for. But for you continuing to murder I mean, people uh, of color. Hold on, hold on, hold on. Hold on. This, this, what? It's, not, it's, it's so like... Somebody... Nobody out there deserves violence for no reason. That is... That is it's it, not it's, a reason. It's separating, it's separating us from a... From a any chance of a reasonable society on the other side. We, That's the and, problem. And this is, the, this that, is where you're flawed. You think there is a chance at a reasonable society. Your complaint earlier yeah. was that there are pussies out here. They're too much, given too much. They don't demand what they need to be taken. And now you're going to denigrate this person who said, I'm sick and tired of it. I'm taking what's mine. You're wearing the gang colors. And by I'm gonna committing go a felony. I mean, like, I... I committing a felony when, when you're what happened to, to george floyd what what happened to to tamir rice what happened to george what happened to any of these people i in my mind all those cops committed crimes too yes I, and you know to varying degrees of problems with the legal system and how difficult it is to to uh <laughs> to 
prosecute cops have led to none of them being prosecuted or to this point. I mean, like we still yes. have George Floyd. Like, oh, oh, by the way, sitting they, out there. But I'm saying, like, they don't have money for masks. They don't have money to help with any sort of corona response. But they've already spent a hundred thousand dollars on a manhunt for one person for this shooting. Mm-hmm. You don't matter. Are you a cop? Or do you wear the badge and wear the blue? Then you don't fucking matter. So fuck them. They're a fucking gang. When you act like a gang, you get treated like a gang. When you when you roll up on my corner wearing your colors, I'm just watch your back. Just between the pandemic and the fires and the civil war, I just feel like I can't get enough of this country. Like why why Well, I see that's the thing. We don't have a like, civil war yet. We just need to have ourselves a civil war. It didn't work. It didn't work. Sure it did. No, it didn't. You settle out all the issues and it then did- you break. <sighs> My God, it didn't work. We spent a hundred years trying to fucking put this whole thing back together. It didn't work. It didn't work because in 1876, a political deal was struck to end Reconstruction. If they had not prematurely ended Reconstruction in 1876, someone in Mississippi in 1868 had more rights than someone in Mississippi in 1968. Because during Reconstruction... People were flourishing, but the end of Reconstruction in 1876 meant the end for any hope, the return of Jim Crow, and that was made because of a political deal to put Benjamin Harrison in the White House. Fact check me on that. All right. That is absolutely true. All right. We spent way too much time talking about that, so let's move on to the next topic. Yay. What's up next? Oh, God. More Trump. Let's just skip all this. We talked about most of this. Do you want to just throw in a couple? No, go ahead. You you have your uh, actor Chad thing. (laughs) My acting Chad, yeah. Uh, So... Uh, acting Homeland Security, acting Chad, Chad Wolf, uh, <laughs> recently got in a little bit of trouble because he's been talking about uh, uh, election interference from China. He's been talking about election interference from uh, who else was there? Ukraine was involved in some election interference, they said, or so they claimed. Yes. I think. Iran, Iran, North Korea. Yeah. All of them. Uh, but Russia conveniently left out Russia. Oh, oh, oh so uh, a lot of people are just like, oh, so Russia is not doing anything. And he's just like, oh, no, it was left out. And it's like, you can't do that, Chad. You can't not allowed. I mean, Jim can, so, he can do it. He can do it. Trump asked him to do it. Uh, so anyway, that's going to become a thing. So <laughs> we have that to look forward to on top of all the other war on the streets that were <laughs> it's happening six feet away from me. Oh, that I'm advocating uh, for. Oh, yeah, that's, I guess that's right. Uh, let's see. What else? Where are we at on the agenda here? Oh, wait. Yes. Okay. Trump. Uh, hang on. Susan Collins. I got that. Let me pull up all, the, let me pull up all, of, my, uh, all of my stuff here. Hang on. Uh, <laughs> okay. All right. Sorry. I got all flustered. I got all worked up and revolutionary. <laughs> it's like, all right, look, I promise uh, no political talk tonight. And then like 60 minutes later, and it's like, <laughs> down with the bourgeoisie. Raise the guillotines. Let's murder all of the capitalists. <laughs> I don't know what to tell you. Uh, anyway, so uh, three big stories this week. As you can see, the image on my... Uh, my An algorithm my, my, of Trumpy my things. My left, yes. Uh, so quickly through. Susan Collins, um, accurately de- portrayed as a woman in a mouse costume in <laughs> Our Cartoon President, which I highly uh, recommend, has said she doesn't know who she's voting for, uh, which is not surprising or shouldn't be surprising since she didn't vote for impeachment. She has seemingly backed Trump most on most votes, despite leading up to those votes, saying how much she was ashamed and she would never back such a thing. Yeah. And then switching and voting uh, in support of Trump. Uh, also, you can see uh, a little rat right there by the name of Jared uh, Kushner, who we mentioned earlier. Um, if you live in a Baltimore apartment and you have rats, 
It's probably a Jared Kushner property, uh, awkward enough. So he uh, is now the primary and mainly the sole advisor to the president. Um, it has been uh, reported that he has basically created, uh, uh, he's boxed out. Uh, who is it that you always do the impression of when you're like doing the boxing out? Like, Roberto? Roberto keeping me from getting to a fire? Is that it? Oh, yeah. yes, yes. It's Roberto uh, stopping you from putting out the fire in the kitchen <laughs> that occurred a few weeks ago. Uh, but yeah, fire! Fire! <laughs> he's basically done that uh, to all the other advisors, and some of them have quit, and uh, now it's just him. A man with zero political experience and zero spine is now the main advisor, and some say the sole advisor to the president, so that's okay. Yeah. No. Uh, and then finally. Well, he married into it, too, which is always. The, yeah. It's a, well, it's not even merit. He didn't even merit the position. Just married into it. Uh, <laughs> Meanwhile, St- Stephen Miller lives in relative obscurity. <sighs> so. Yeah. He, do you think he's just somewhere casting a spell <laughs> in a basement somewhere? Like turning a, like, a witch's, a witch's brew. Frog's wart. <laughs> just trying to figure out how to get Jared out of there. Uh, and finally, um, Portland, uh, by the way. Still happening. Yeah. Every single night. Uh, We're at like 109 nights or 110 nights now. Yeah. Um, But the Proud Boys decided to show up over the weekend. If you're not aware who the Proud Boys are, uh, it's a bunch of uh, guys who look a lot like us, but don't talk like us. Uh, Although some of them are kind of. They kind of talk like Rob, only the opposite side of the spectrum from Rob. Actually, yeah, that's (laughs) that's pretty accurate. Yeah. Uh, If I was, you know, a neo-Nazi, if I said things like... uh, uh, the Jews will not replace us. That's yeah. one of their uh, their popular chants. Um, well, they showed up in Portland because Portland's not enough of a dumpster fire yet. Yeah, why, <laughs> why not? Let's just throw more in there. Let's, well, you let's know, just make this the center of everything that's going to show down. Because let's do not? it. Yeah, listen. Uh, Charleston, South Carolina, was the site of the first the start of the first Civil War. Why not Portland, Oregon, is the start of the second <sighs> uh, Civil War? But uh, yeah, they decided to just show up and cause a bunch of trouble. And uh, Antifa, Antifa, which is just the citizens of Portland, were uh, fighting against federal authorities and state authorities and city authorities. And uh, a bunch of nosy white guys said, hey, 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 you haven't heard from us yet. And so they showed up to cause trouble. They ended up uh, chasing down. They would like isolate an individual, chase them down and beat them. And then uh, it was shown that the police were basically like giving them water and assisting them after they had done so, despite the fact that a felony had been... um, um, Committed, committed in yeah. their in their presence. So uh, certainly, definitely shouldn't be shooting cops in Portland. That's definitely not something. So anyway, yeah. <laughs> the uh, thoughts of Rob. Rob. <laughs> <laughs> Do we have to go gotta back bring, to the disclaimer? Got to bring that one back. Is that, is that yeah. happening? All right. Yeah, we should we should bring back the disclaimer just for your safety. But I'll just warn you, Corey. You're already on all the lists that I'm on. So yeah, yeah. Uh, hooray. <laughs> <laughs> so your uh, COVID news. That's but what we're proxy. On. Yeah. Yes. Go ahead. So uh, <laughs> a couple weeks back, there was a motorcycle rally in Sturgis, the annual uh, motorcycle rally there, uh, for which is a huge annual event. I don't know if you've ever seen the small town in South Dakota or North Dakota. South I can't, Dakota. South Dakota. Yep. Uh, it, it, you know, goes from 10,000 people to 100,000 people overnight mm-hmm. and it's a huge boon for the economy and uh apparently the people of Sturgis didn't want it to go away because of coronavirus some people in Sturgis yeah. didn't want it to go away so uh they had it and a bunch of people showed up including smash mouth who said fuck covid on stage during the course of the uh weekend i'm not gonna say somebody should die of covid but <laughs> 
if there is somebody, probably the lead singer of Smash Mouth. But Steve Harrell? Yes, whatever. How the fuck do I know that? And I yeah, don't. Where did you pull that from? Good. Ask, ask me who's the president of some country, and I won't know it, but I'll know the lead singer of Smash Mouth for some reason. Uh, who's the president of Mexico right now? <laughs> I thought you were going to go with Vicente Fox, which no. would be a safe bet. But no, I, I, I knew I heard it at one point, and I'm pretty sure it has a double name. You live with a Mexican. I know, but I'm, I, I don't... <laughs> whatever. Anywho. Uh, but you, you got Smash Mouth's lead singer. I <laughs> <laughs> got that part. That's the important part. So uh, if you look at the map to my side here, you will notice uh, that a lot of people who attended the Sturgis rally went all over the country and brought coronavirus back because this was a super spreader event uh as they're categorizing it and uh this is the this is the part that i found the most interesting uh, estimated cost of all the people who got sick because of this event was yep. over two billion dollars uh and i think the 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 math that they had put that if everyone who was going to attend Sturgis was just given a check for like $35,000 and told to stay home. Mm -hmm. It would have had less impact on the, the economy than this did. Yeah. More importantly, if, if I don't know the federal government or the state had just said, Hey Sturgis, don't do it. You usually make $1.7 million on this event. We're just going to give you $1.7 million to spread evenly amongst all of you. We would have saved money on the deal. Oh, by a lot. Yes. So we could have given them a billion dollars and saved yeah. money on the deal. Yeah. Incredible stuff. Yeah. Um, and to that point, uh, last night in uh, Henderson, which is just outside of Las Vegas, Trump had a indoor rally mm. where uh, apparently masks didn't go on until the event started. Like the people behind Trump were told to put on masks like once he started speaking, which is not how the masks work. Like it's not. At some point, you wear the mask, it works. Like, you have to constantly be wearing the mask. Listen, Corey, Jesus gave me lungs to sing God Bless America with, (laughs) but also, he can keep them safe. Yeah. Uh, Don't have to worry about it. At the same time, people of Las Vegas, Nevada, uh, it's estimated that 20% of them are in some version of getting kicked out of their current housing situation. Uh, So, in that same town, which is... A stone's throw away from Vegas. Like, mm-hmm. it's they're literally, like, right next to each other, basically. Uh, it will be Vegas someday. I mean, it's <laughs> it's it's unbelievable to me that the, the Senate has been able to feel like they're getting away with this. Because, <laughs> like, you know, I'm not working. I'm not making money. I'm making a paltry sum from uh, unemployment. But mm-hmm. that is not nearly the same as the expenses that I have. And at this point, it's... Work jobs that are going to underpay you and that are not going to be safe. Risky, yeah. So that you might get sick or you might make $100 or go into debt and hope that you can survive for long enough that you won't get kicked out of your house or your apartment or be able to eat, which are things that like a lot of people in America right now are dealing Mm -hmm. with. And the the fact that I talk to people who are like... (laughs) who have jobs mm-hmm. and who have their bills paid and they're not seeing the personal impact of this. Like mm-hmm. a lot of people who have happened to be lucky enough to be in a position where they can work from home or something like that. Like, you know, it's like, well, I, I don't, I don't think this economy is so bad. <laughs> like right now, like you don't, it's really on, on uh, people hanging by twine 
trying to try to fall off the cliff, keep from falling off the cliff. Like it, it's tenuously tight. Well, and listen, I, I, at a certain point, I don't understand how the economy doesn't just flatten. Like I think what you're was, missing is you need to just go out and have a night out. <laughs> I mean, I don't know if you've seen the pictures that I've been seeing yeah. on social media, but it's all over. Yeah. Just go out. Have fun. Have a few drinks. Hit up a restaurant. Wear the mask in between stops. Yeah. Or on the street. Not in the restaurant or the bar where you're two Well, take pictures of you with the mask or yeah. without the mask because how would anyone know you're smiling? Yes. Uh, but mm-hmm. also take pictures with the mask so they know you're being responsible. Right. Um, yeah. <laughs> I don't. I, the economic consequences are one thing, but then also I am still working. I'm going to work every day, despite the fact that I don't want to go to my office every day. Um, I try to avoid when the office days when it's extra busy and I go in late or I come in early and then leave early. Uh, and then I have to worry about uh, being in contact with people who just think it's done and it's not done. But what I was going to say is that uh, lucky for you, Mitch McConnell doesn't give a fuck about you, Corey, because uh, the Senate uh, has been on vacation all of August, uh, as they normally do. They've been doing since uh, 1800 or yeah. so. Um, and they came back and they there was a bill. Yep. And that bill failed. Right. It uh, was a Democrat bill from the House. So that wasn't going to No, happen. no, no. That wasn't it. The uh, McConnell put together a oh, bill of his right. own. Yes, that's right. That was the $300. They're not voting on the Democrat bill that came from the House. No, half of the half of the Republican caucus couldn't get behind spending more money. Mm hmm. And exploding the deficit. Yeah. Because when they do it for, you know, like people who own companies. One trillion dollars. A trillion dollars. Yeah. When they when they do it for the richest people, uh, it's not exploding the deficit because that money will come back somehow. Yeah. Magic down. economics. Triple down. magic. You said magic. That's fine. (laughs) It's it's the same. Uh, But when it's people who don't make a lot of money. And it's fuck you. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, well, listen, I just can't imagine. Like, how many people in fucking Kentucky are in some version of losing their house, trying to figure out how to live off of ramen for another week? Yep. Uh, borrowing any amount of money they can from any person they know to help make make do. Uh, the still that- make sure that their kids go to school. All of these things, and still say like. Fucking Mitch McConnell's gonna figure this out for me. Like the I, district I, that Mitch was in the house from, yeah, is the poorest district in the nation. Yeah, it is ninety eight percent white, and ninety percent of the people there get some sort of public benefits from yeah. WIC to food stamps to Medicaid to something, and they overwhelmingly sent him to Congress, and then overwhelmingly were part of the vote to send him to the Senate, and continually send him to the Senate, and it makes no sense. People voting against their own self-interest is like one of the most fascinating things in all politics. I I read the book, What's the Matter with Kansas? Yeah. When I was in high school, maybe middle school. And I was like, oh, this is definitely like a boomer generation. I mean, we didn't say boomer then, but it was a boomer generation problem. We're going to fix this. And then I see Facebook and I'm like, bro, you have three kids with three different women, all of whom are on some sort of public assistance. You're not working. You're getting some version of unemployment mixed with public benefits. Yeah. And you're just like unaware that somehow this is a welfare program provided to you by a Democrat, because if the Republicans had anything to say about it, you would be broke. And it's just like, well, if the Democrats would come to the table, we'd have a deal. And it, no, <laughs> the Democrats passed a bill. We, they, the house that we have control of 
we passed a bill. You, I mean, like, listen, at, at a certain point, the problem is that uh, Republicans, McConnell specifically, is looking for specific things that the Democrats won't give, and mm-hmm. the Democrats are looking for specific things that the Republicans won't give. So, oh wait, wait, we're going to be at this, both at this stalemate forever. They're both trying to put money in the post office, which Trump won't sign because he will not right. give extra so money that's to another, the post office. That's another thing. Yeah. Uh, but on top of that, like you know, uh, the, uh, Pelosi wants people to be able to sue if they get sick, yes, uh, or at least allow for the option to sue if they get sick. Uh, McConnell wants to take away any kind of exemption from or like any kind of possible lawsuit from corporations that maybe don't do it correctly. Yeah. Uh, There is, you know, the obvious difference between the amount of money per week, which I guess you could argue is going to be somewhere between 600 and 300 if there ever is a deal. That is the least. They can come to a money difference. It's who else gets the money. That's going to be the big. Yeah. 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 I mean, like, you know, in a normal situation, if this was just about money, they'd say 450 and split it. Yeah. Well, to be honest, uh, uh, (laughs) McConnell would say 300. Pelosi would talk to it with her caucus about it being 600 and then go, no, 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 he's not going. We're just going to settle at 450. So I'm just going to say 450 yeah. and then walk in and say 450. And he's like, no, no, 300. Yeah. <laughs> and they would settle at 375. And then Pelosi and- turns and she's like, I did everything I could. <laughs> Do you want us to give them nothing or should we give them 300 a week? <laughs> okay. And then somebody just stands up and it's just like, God, we're an alarming amount of pussies. <laughs> we don't stand up for anything. And next thing you know, Corey's talking about shooting cops Pelosi, on the podcast. Pelosi, you're where. Pelosi, you're as bad as Newsom. <laughs> uh, yeah. Um, so right. uh, nothing's coming anytime soon. Uh, hold on tight, folks. It's going to get worse. Uh, but make sure you're setting aside. <laughs> if you are 30, you should be setting aside one times your annual income for retirement. And if you want to really secure yourself, one times your annual uh, for retirement and another one times for investment, that'll help you live richly in your retirement years, not just live securely in your retirement years. And oh, yeah, by the way, none of that's happening. (laughs) (laughs) And just remember that your house will inevitably gain in uh, in value. So you have that security. I I think your parents house will. I think that's the other thing. Like, I, I feel like people who are. Like the boomer generation kind of thing, or just like, you know, like, oh, I worked hard and I got to this point. Now I'm living good off of all the work I put in before. Mm-hmm. And they think like, like, we're all just like lazy and not doing Yeah. <laughs> like just living off whatever we're given kind of thing. Why would you like, get one good job instead of three crappy jobs? Yeah. I mean, three crappy jobs is all we got. I don't yeah. know what you want from me, man. General Motors shut down. I can't yeah. get a Sparrow's Point. Can't buy a house for $20,000 anymore. <laughs> so I don't know what to tell you uh, uh, about uh, this situation. Half of my income goes to the student loans to go to the college that you said <laughs> you're going to be a failure as a child unless you go to college. I also like all the colleges that are open right now because if they didn't open and take in tuition money, then yeah. they would go bankrupt. Yes. <laughs> so <laughs> Because they fronted themselves. Fuck safety. So <laughs> uh, listen, I would love to you, care about the safety. By but, the way, you realize that the... <laughs> This is an amazing fact, by the way. The opening week of students going back to Alabama, University mm-hmm. of Alabama, mm-hmm. uh, there were more positive COVID cases at the University of Alabama than there were in the entire country of Canada. Yep. During that same time period. Yeah. The entire Canada hasn't had a death in six weeks or something like something that. Something like that. Yeah. yeah like yeah, it's they're, been a long time. They're really they for some reason. A country under almost the exact same circumstances as us has managed to figure it out without it being a huge financial tombstone for them. Well, side note to that. Um, mm-hmm. 
what do you think would happen if any in any other context we had a 9-11 every three days? Yeah. Because we are losing between 1,000 and 1,500 people a day. And as much celebrating as I saw, or memorance, maybe, I don't know yeah. if you want to call it celebrating, but uh, about the 3,000 who died on this September 11th last Friday. Yeah. We're losing 1,000 to 1,500 a day. Yeah. That's a 9-11 every two days. I'm gonna, you know what? I'm going to start using that. That's going to be my reference. Uh, we lost three quarters of a 9-11 today. Uh, we lost half a 9-11 today. A third of a 9-11 today. And maybe people will start saying, why are so many people dying? And well, the we other, should do something about that. The other part, too, is obviously that uh, not only... It, it's not... To me, the, the worst part is not the people who... The people who get sick and might have long-term, long-ranging health implications from it. Like, there was the... Study about the uh, hearts, right? Yeah, like the it, there was something about the a football team or something like that where three members of the team had gotten COVID, and then they did an examination of their lungs and realized that like they basically took twenty years off their lungs, yeah. like they were the the lungs of a fifty year old man or something like that. They yeah, they couldn't sudden, figure out why. I I want to say it was linemen because that's what occurs to me. But yeah. maybe that's because I was a lineman. But it was just like. Three of these guys are really dragging ass. What's going on? And they went in, did a full physical, and they're like, oh, yeah, three of your guys might as well be 45. They're not 22 anymore. Uh, they're at a very high risk for a mitocardial infarction, which is a fancy way of saying a heart attack, but not really. Uh, the heart just can't keep a solid beat. Yeah. And, uh, oh, yeah, their lungs are damaged. So there's that. Um, so, yeah, to everybody who's like, it's not that big a deal. You get over it. I think all three of those guys were asymptomatic carriers as well. Yeah. So it's not as if they went to the hospital and got ventilated. It's, yeah, they just got sick and then got over it. And now they're fixed. They, there are people who are, uh, the most people who seem to be dealing with sort of long-term nagging things that come from it seem to be the ones who went to hospital, went to oh, went yeah. on ventilator and stuff like that, which is, uh, you know, a ventilator plainly obvious life, to me, I guess. But it does damage you. Yeah. Um. So that will always and forever continue just to like control. a. When you see in the the medical shows oh, yeah, where they you think <laughs> zap the person, like that's not good for you. <laughs> no, it's not. <laughs> it's not good to get electrocuted. Dying works, but dying is worse. Yeah, I mean, so. like, and the choice between electrocuted and dying, <laughs> I guess dying will have to wait another day. Yeah, I got uh, a DNR, so they're not going to bring me back. One um, one last thing. Let's yeah. let's skip most of the the end here. Okay, go we're ahead. We're so long, and just just focus on the Oscars. Oh, okay. I thought you were going to go to the NFL. I thought you were going to say that was the most important. No, thing, I mean I can I can fit my NFL talks into like ten seconds. At the okay. End. Well, yeah. yeah let's uh, let's play that for your consideration. Draw. Oh, yeah. Okay. Anyway, Ooh, but yeah. Uh, so big changes to the qualifications for the best picture, uh, in the Oscars. Uh, starting in 2024, but they're going to start doing the paperwork for it earlier. Yeah. Uh, right now, if you want to be considered for an Academy Award, you have to fill out a bunch of paperwork. Well, uh, and here's the part hard of that thing. paperwork. The is, reason it has to be 2024 is there would be no Best Picture nominees this year. Wow. I mean, there's really not, not a lot of movies that. Yeah. And, and like, part of the idea is like you have to give the studios time to make movies that would be part of that. <laughs> And you know what? Uh, I'll say this. I I think that in spirit, much like the Academy has has in spirit tried to do good things here uh, in the past, is trying to look out for a better Hollywood of tomorrow. But there's a a lot of similarity I see between this and the Rooney Rule in the NFL. Yeah, where it was like you're not allowed to hire. You can hire a white coach. 
but you have to at least interview a black coach. You can't just – and I think they made up, like, rules like, well, if you're going to hire the offensive coordinator, there's no reason to bring in somebody just to have, like, a token interview. Right. Yeah, yeah. If you know you're going from one, like, one person in your organization to another – there's an exemption there. But like, if, you, if you're going to hire an offensive coordinator, you should bring in a diverse crowd right, and replace right, right. him and do yeah, those yeah, interviews. Yeah. So, yeah. Uh, but basically what this became was, for a while, and you, you we could still argue it's still kind of happening in this way, mm-hmm. where it was like, you know, Romeo Cornell gets brought in to interview for every single head coaching opportunity, and he's never going to get any yeah. of those jobs. I think like, he was rumored to be the new coach at, like, 18 teams because right. they're like oh they brought him in they're definitely gonna he's gonna get his chance this time well was, hugh jackson i think was the same way for a while he was like you know he was a hot coordinator with the ravens like doing great things and then all of a sudden they're just like you know like oh he seems like he would be a head coach one day so mm-hmm. why not just bring him in have the interview and then knock out the rooney rule like we yeah. we brought in our black <laughs> our black applicant uh there are a lot of i will say from my experience working on sets uh, I have I I see it differently. I think than people on the higher end, on the more established set kind of level, right. do. And I don't know if it's a we're all this generation is coming up and it's going to be like this on the on the studio side soon enough, or if it's going to just be uh always like kind of an indie problem as opposed to a studio thing. But all the sets I work on are incredibly diverse. Yeah, like. I, I really do think that if we're talking about like male to female directors, I feel like it's almost 50 50, at least in the jobs that I work. Uh, you know, I've worked under, I've worked with, you know, department heads who were every, like, li- I've literally worked with every single <laughs> different combination of race, gender, ethnicity, yeah. sexual preference. Like, there is nobody on set that I, I, I feel like the only one I haven't uh, experienced is like, american indian eskimo like that's the <laughs> that's a rare find yeah but yeah. like or samoan like the the lower number uh ethnic groups Wait, are the only the, ones you, didn't, you weren't on that rock picture from uh, earlier this year no is he samoan yeah he's he samoan, is right yeah, he is yeah. a part samoan yeah, yeah so we can we can uh by the way you're gonna get a little bit of that too where it's like oh no 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 her great-grandfather was half black yeah so i mean <laughs> Diversity. She counts, right? Diversity, yeah, right, right. <laughs> I mean, and I, I think a lot of people jumped immediately to the, uh, well, what if you're telling a story that doesn't have black people in it? Like, if you're doing 1917. Real hard. Real hard yeah. to figure out how to put a black supporting character in there to uh, get it. But there is also a lot of behind the scenes stuff that allows you to avoid mm-hmm. that problem. Uh, so basically, just running through it real quick. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, to meet the on-screen representation standard, a film must either have at least one character or a significant supporting character be from an underrepresented racial or ethnic group. At least 30% of secondary roles must be two underrepresented groups or the main storyline and theme and narratives must be focused on an underrepresented group. So, uh, you know, like that's mostly for talking about what the movie is going to be about and what the who the actors are in it. So a lot more work will go to uh, actors of color for this specific point. Right. Yeah. Uh, but you know, again, going on the 1917 example, you might not be able to make the movie you want to make might not necessarily be about people of color or (laughs) their struggle. So, uh, on the other side of it is, uh, 
the creative leadership and crew composition of a film in order to meet the standard. A movie must have uh, either at least two leadership professionals or department heads be from underrepresented groups and at least one be from an underrepresented racial or ethnic group. At least six other crew be from underrepresented racial or ethnic groups or at least 30% of the film's crew be from an underrepresented group. Uh, That one I think is going to be easier. I was going to say, you said upper, uh, underrepresented group a lot. And just yeah. to be clear, it's women, people of color, uh, people who identify as LBGTQ2, which I'm not sure what Q2 uh, is, but uh, Q2+, plus, yeah, or people with disabilities. Um, so I, I think you're right that there's going to be a lot of focus on, uh, if you want to make 1917, okay, we just got to fill our crew with people who meet the quota. The problem, though, is, uh, and I'll point out, Two, two of my thoughts about this. One, when you say 30% of the crew, yeah. I can guarantee you, you're going to hit 30%, you're going to stop. Whereas before, it's like, let's just find who we can find, and maybe it fills 45 No, it hasn't traditionally filled 45 55 65%. But when you hit 30 you're going to stop. See, I, I worry that... Uh, <clears throat> I worry that uh, people will come to... Because usually, like, you know, producers, on-set producers, line producers, these are some of the people who help find the crew that, yeah. like, works with the, like, uh, so I imagine there's going to be a lot of people who sort of get brought a package, per se, where yeah. it's just like, hey, I got my have, 30. I got your we have David here. Fincher and Ben Affleck and Roger Deakins all signed up, and Deakins comes with his eight people, Yeah, and they're all from Britain, so so there's there's part of your crew. Find as many black people as you can and fill, or as many women as you can find and fill up the rest of the crew. And then you're going to leave somebody who's going like, you know, like, all right, what's the who are all the black sound mixers who are worth a damn? Like, you know, you're just yep. basically at some point you're you're going to that. And I'm not saying that's not, you know, like I, I'm I don't care. I as the as the white sound mixer, I don't care if more more diversity comes into our into our world. Yeah, it's very much needed. The one thing that I worry about, and this is not a slight on like the sound mixing community or anything like that. I just think it's just sort of how it happens in a way. Uh, but like I would go to sound events and, you know, there's a handful of black people there mm-hmm. or a handful of women like, you know, underrepresented classes and sound specifically is kind of hard because there are, you know, don't get me wrong. Very talented people. Yeah, but, but like it's just like a I don't, fraction of the it's one of those like. uh uh, they there used to be a thing about like hockey wanted to get more more color in it, right? I think in the eighties they did the thing of like how do we get more representation in hockey? Mighty Ducks, by the way. Well, I think came I think out that, of that I think that was one of the things that was sort of like maybe movies would help or something like <laughs> yeah. that. But like uh, one of the things they came to was just like you know you can you can you know do hockey you can show hockey to people who otherwise wouldn't play it, but. I think there's also a you kind of have to grow up in hockey mm-hmm. to want to play it. So it's more likely to happen from the families who play it for a long time. Like you're more likely to play it if your dad played it. Yeah. And the problem of, of getting more integration into hockey is not a just show it to them and they'll start playing it. It's a you got to get them in. You got to make them fans. You got to spend 40 years <laughs> developing them. And then their kids, and then their kids might yeah. do it. And then they were just like, well, that's <laughs> that's too much. Too much to ask. Like, let's just hope they find it on their own. Also, by the way, we have to invest in youth hockey programs for 40 years because it's the dad who would never have found hockey otherwise. I I will say most of the people I know who like hockey, Corey included, 
played hockey at yeah. some point. So it's hard to be, not that it's hard to be a fan of that sport, but I think you get a lot more fans of that sport from people who have played it in some way, shape or form. Yeah, yeah, so. yeah. And I mean, like, I'm, I'm sure there's other other worlds like this, you know, like uh, NASCAR. I haven't traditionally seen a lot of black faces yeah. uh, or women, uh, but every once in a while you do. Mm-hmm. And it doesn't seem like they're not there because they're not welcome. It's like just not a lot of them. It, it just for whatever reason, a lot of people just don't want to like it, it just seems like the people who it who it uh, sparks the imagination of are largely largely white men. Yeah, well, more than that, though, ho- the hockey has this in common with NASCAR It's an expensive sport to play. Oh, yeah. And if you are not from a suburban family with two incomes who can say, yeah, we're going to buy you a sprint car or yeah. let you build a sprint car in the. Well, I mean, like if you if you talk about some of the poorest countries in the world like soccer is really popular because all it requires is a ball and not even like, a soccer ball anything like any round ball that can, rolls. yeah <laughs> any ball can work you don't need the cleats you don't need you, you no. can literally play without anything else if you if you need to yep uh baseball i remember melvin mora had the the cardboard to leather uh charity that he yeah. worked with and he was like i can't he was from venezuela i think don't uh, I'm not 100 percent on. No, that. I think that's right though. Yeah, but he he said like you know there's a lot of kids in my town where I grew up that would love to play baseball, but the cost of five dollars in which to get them a glove is too much for almost every family. Yep. In the, so please donate five dollars so I can buy each kid a glove. Like and he would do that. He would he would send uh, equipment down to his hometown and a bunch of kids there would play baseball. But and again. Baseball, every kid needs a glove. Soccer, the town has to come together to put together five dollars for, for one, one ball. <laughs> it is a very easy. And I mean, again, it's you're not you're not cleats. There's no uniforms. There's no shin pads. The field doesn't need to be even and regular. Like I listen, I and not that I am a soccer lover, but I played soccer, youth soccer, growing up. The years before that, it literally was like any two objects, put them about ten feet apart. Yeah. Doesn't have to catch it. Kick it. We'll chase it down. Oh, the amount of times we played any sport with two trash cans being the goal. Like, yeah. yeah. I mean, li- and soccer street hockey or something like that. Yeah, just- yeah. It, even street hockey, you have the sticks, you have the ball or the puck or whatever. Yeah. Even if you play it on your feet, soccer literally is like grab two things and a ball and the <laughs> ball, a ball of some variety. Yeah. Or four, I guess four, because you need two goals, right? So I mean, yeah. basketball is a similar situation where it doesn't take a lot to, you need to find a court somewhere. Which can or be easy enough for some people, but peach basket, for other. peach basket on a wall, any kind of ball. Yeah. So I mean, that's how it started. But getting back to the Oscars, though, I I have concerns that there is a there's going to always be a problem with hitting the quota, and that one of the things I, I thought you were going to say there was about packaging so much as like somebody coming in and being like, oh, how many do you need? C- total crew of a hundred. I have my 15 package, my 30 package, my 45 package, and I bring those same people to set. And it's uplifting for some, but it's not lifting up for everyone. See, where where I think this is really going to, because uh, I, I really do think it's it, it would be easy enough for most reasonable productions to uh, do the second category. But I, I'm pretty sure by 2024 they said they want two of three yeah. to be met. And if you are of the uh, black marketing if you are a black marketer right now who wants to work in movies, now is the time to get your your uh, your business up in tip-top shape yep. because there are going to be a lot of... This is the one I can absolutely 100% see from a million miles away, which is you make a movie, you have a diverse crew, and maybe a diverse cast to a certain extent, mm-hmm. 
but you maybe only knock out one of the two. Uh, you got the crew, but you didn't get but the you like three you didn't get the there? cast. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, and now you got a really promising movie that looks like it's going to be good, and you got to start promoting it. So you got to find the <laughs> the blackest Check marketing the team in the yep. in the country to put together your your marketing because you're in the situation where you ain't going to get that Oscar nom unless you have what is the third category, which is paid internship, apprenticeship, opportunities, as well as training for below-the-line workers, and the fourth category addressing the representation and marketing, publicity, and distribution teams. Yeah. Uh, I, I do think that that is where you're going to see the most... Boom, uh, if you will. Yeah. Token hiring, I guess, yeah. if you if you want to put it like in that way. I, it's, it's upsetting because, you know, like I, I'm seeing... There is certainly a lack of representation on camera. For whatever reason, there still seems to be a divide between people, for the most part, between what type of story. I think there's still people who like see a black face on the poster and say, like, oh, is this one of those black movies? Right. Like, it's going to be a Tyler Perry affair because you have one black face on the poster. Yeah. And uh, not that that's a bad thing. I'm just sort of making a, a, a generalization from a, a rube who <laughs> sees the poster, you know? But like the, I really do think, you know, Hollywood is filled with people who want to do good. They want to do the best they can. They also want to make as much money as possible. Yeah. So they'll traditionally, it wasn't worth it to them to pay anybody more than anyone. <laughs> like you know, they'll if you could put a crew together of the cheapest people you could, and they were all good, then that was basically the end of the day for most people. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I I I think that we're that it, it was probably going to work without the Academy having to strong arm a rule in there. I think it will uh, happen faster because you're right that our generation, when they are running studios, will yeah. have much more diverse studios. <clears throat> but as long as it's not us running it, it'll always be hitting a wall. The Academy forcing them is saying, hey, if you want to have an Oscar contender, now they will abide by the rule as strictly as possible. Yeah. And 30% means 30% or whatever. They'll, they'll abide. But... That starts moving people upwards as long as we don't fall into those holes. What worries me, the, the one thing that really worries me is that someone is on the line mm-hmm. with their qualifications. Like, uh, they say 30%. So let's say literally 30 people of a 100-person crew yeah. are of some sort of underrepresented class, right? Yeah. And then, uh, you know, it's, the, it's movie A. It's the favorite to win the Oscar this year. Movie yeah. A has everything going for it, but it's got that... 30% on the number mm-hmm. thing that's going on. I imagine movie B, which isn't the favorite, but in the contention <laughs> might start leaking things to the Hollywood press going like, you know, they were on 30 just yeah. on the nose. Like Opposition they specifically research. went into this whole process yeah. to say, we're only going to do 30 because that's all we're required to do. Meanwhile, here at picture B, it's, 50 percent underrepresented classes here because we care so much we and, hired the best yeah and we found 50 percent of the best people. and picture a 1917 is just filled with white people but we have you know green book it's <laughs> such a diverse cast <laughs> we have mahershala ali in this movie i don't know if you've seen it but well and and that was going to be my second mm-hmm. point which is frankly and i think this works in its favor i'm done seeing white guys die in europe we've had a lot of World War One, World War Two, interwar, roaring twenties, roaring or down thirty. I'm yeah. done with that. There is a story from the Civil War where a slave escapes, steals a Confederate ship, 
goes out and on his way through the blockade, actually they uh, a bunch of them, he gets the lightest skin guy he can find to put on the Confederate jacket and then goes and sweeps the front of the boat. Shouts out to the Confederates on the other boats like, Yes, so we's we's cleaning the boat, and then the guy in the the boathouse is like, "Don't be talking to them, boys!" and escapes and gets out, yeah, and then goes back three or four more times to fill his boat with runaway slaves <laughs> and come back out and uses the same ruse of light skinned guy on the boat, him sweeping the front, acting like uh, everything that the Confederates would think that a mouthy slave would act like, then goes back. After 1965, in 1966, is elected to Congress, becomes the first black congressman from that district. Yeah. Where is that dude's movie? Right. I want to see that movie. And by the way, that is a 90% people of color movie. Maybe it's time to stop thinking about World War One, World War Two, the 20s, the 30s. The, if we're going to tell, a, uh, tell see, the story of Martin Luther King, we somehow have to have Johnson and 40 fucking white people in that story. See, but so I, I know the story you're talking about. Yes. I can't remember the guy. Yes. But I remember after after seeing that and seeing the meme of like, why hasn't this been made a yes. movie? I looked it up and that story has been tried. Yes. Four it, or five times. It's in development turnaround a lot. And it's one of those. They've never been able to find the right combination of things to make yeah. it go. And yeah. that's the problem with a lot of things. And like uh, hypothetically, there is a world where I could say. I could call up like my dad and be like, hey, good news. Ben Affleck's production company is thinking about making my movie. Yeah. And then he'd be like, oh, my God, you've made it. Ben, ben Affleck is like, and I'm oh, just like <laughs> thinking about making the movie, might purchase it, don't know anything. Yeah. Like, you know, it's one of those like on a Monday it could be a go and on a Tuesday it could be sorry, we can't do it at this time. And it yeah. happens that quick. And, you know, it, it's not like. Again, like Hollywood is filled with, for the most part, progressive people who want to do right and do do things, you know, like want to be seen as inclusive and everything like that. Like it's just built within these people who have passionate artistic uh, brains in them, you know, like it's it's understood. But at the other side of this, it's the uh, like in their mind, there's only so many black directors who have had success. Mm -hmm. So. If we don't get Spike Lee or we don't get, you know, uh, uh, fuck, uh, Black Panther. Yep. Um, uh, just trying to think of his name and out of my head. Yeah. Black Panther's the same problem. director. But I still remember. Ryan Coogler. <laughs> Ryan, Ryan Coogler. Coogler. There we go. Yeah. Uh, you know, like in their mind, they're just like, well, those are the only black directors that make money. So how can we buy Is it Ava, Ava DuVernay or Ryan Coogler or, or Spike Lee doesn't direct this thing? Then who else could possibly do? Yeah. Who else could make this movie and make money? And it's like people forget that like Ryan Coogler at one point was nobody and he made a movie and it made money and it was good. Yeah. And like, you know, you 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 have to the, the, the part of this that will be hard for Hollywood is the how do we jump the line part of it? Like so. How, so my, I, I don't want to. I don't want to. I don't want to sink eighty million dollars into this first-time black director's work because what if it's not good? What if we don't make our money back? Like, and then the other thing that was like all over the place for a while was uh, we don't want to give more black director shots because we don't want them to fail and then make it look like bad for other. We don't care directors. about yeah, <laughs> like yeah, you know there there was there you know like the, any racist like I always think the racism that that is 
rampant in Hollywood is the worried about being the, the racism that comes from being worried about racism too much. Yeah. <laughs> I'm sure there's a lot of that. But so, like, so that, that the story about the, the, the slave who escaped. Yeah. W- reading up on that at one point, And I want to say it was phantom thread. It was in development turnaround at the same time that phantom thread was coming in. Yeah. And essentially what they said is, uh, what they would later say about the Harriet movie that was up for one Oscar for mm-hmm. uh, best actress song song. Oh, Arriva was nominated too. Oh, yeah. That's right. Yeah. yeah. So too, uh, but didn't get nominated for best picture. But uh, th- I think the well, part of the thing of the story that I read was that they basically said, "Oh, well, we got Phantom Thread. That is our Oscar contender. So we really want this to be more of a producing movie. So if that's the case, and now it's 2024, and you have Phantom Thread and Slave Escapes on a ship, that's your Oscar contender. Yeah. And you look at it and you say, well. Daniel Day-Lewis is really talented, but there's a lot of white people in this movie and it's going to be a struggle to hit the 2024 rule versus this is going to be easy to hit. Does that get more focus and is it less easily cut? Because you said we have Daniel Day-Lewis versus this movie that might be more difficult. Let's go with Phantom Thread and we'll put this back in development. Maybe see, you go the other way. See, I still think it, I still think it goes the, the way of the proven commodity versus the... So like hypothetically, so you make Phantom Thread, which didn't make its money back. No, but I'm saying like, I, like, because, say, but it can't get an Oscar nom because say, it doesn't. Say hypothetically, Phantom Thread has the enough of the behind the scenes category mm-hmm. to make itself eligible. Okay. Uh, as opposed to the other movie that you have that might possibly be an Oscar contender that has all three or all four of these things locked Bangs up. All right. the check boxes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because yeah. it's a movie about <laughs> an escape slave. One hundred percent. <laughs> like compliant movie or whatever yes. it may be. Yeah. Uh, you still are probably, and I'm assuming, you know, like maybe not as much of a uh, known quantities going on in the, in the slave movie. I would put Mahershala Ali in no, the no, no, but I'm, general. And no, now we're, what's the difference? Though? But I'm saying like the, the difference between Paul Thomas Anderson and like Ryan Coogler, Coogler, for instance, right. Sure. Uh, in, I imagine in their mind, they're going to say that, uh, we have both these movies. They're both great. Uh, the Paul Thomas Anderson one, though, is probably more likely to win awards. Like okay. they'll probably do some sort of determination, like he's won awards before, or something. <laughs> like this is more likely to win an Academy Award based off of what we know the Academy likes, or something Fair like enough. that. Uh, and then if it's a studio that is not well equipped to fund multiple campaigns because it costs a yeah, lot of money a lot you got to back one basically yeah you, you're gonna have to you know if it's not disney you're gonna have to figure out which one you're backing and i would imagine that there's still going to be a lot of push towards the known quantity mm-hmm. aspect of it as opposed to the you know and coogler obviously is a known quantity too that that's not meant to minimize him but, but I'm not saying, for like, oscar nominated movies paul thomas I Anderson mean, has a kind of a pedigree for that i mean you know coogler had coogler had uh black black panther uh, and things like that. Now, but that's saying, not a traditionally Oscar nominated movie. No, but, though. You know, the other thing too, is that like, uh, you know, honestly, and I really do feel this in my bones. Like they, they say that, you know, like it, this was an Oscar movie or this is an Oscar movie. Yeah, like yeah. let's green, stop doing that. Green book winning is like the ultimate of the Oscar movies winning kind of thing. Yeah. But I do think that in the, in the years since green book, uh, the one year since Green Book, we we have well, I mean, we had Moonlight before that. Like, yeah. I, I I sort of feel like Green Book was kind of an outlier. Wait, wait, you mean La La Land? They were the ones who won the Moonlight. Picture. 
No, no, no. It was La La Land. I remember. I watched the yeah. show. I turned it off immediately after they announced Best Picture. It was right. La La Land. <laughs> it, uh, surprise. <laughs> it was actually Moonlight. Uh, and then uh, A Parasite last year, which I really do think yeah. was like a huge shift in... The, the Oscars have, in the last three years, been desperately trying to push for more uh, representation in the voting class. Because yeah. it was uh, tremendously white before. Yeah. They were, the wa- uh, winners were white because the nominee or the uh, voting class was also very much white. Yeah. So, so uh, I, I do think that, you know, at some point, uh, the, the picture B with Coogler, which yeah. might not, you know, like maybe it's uh, feels like an outside chance to win kind of thing is going to win an Oscar in one of these situations. Mm-hmm. And we're going to be like, Oh my God, everything we knew was wrong. And, but it's going to come five years after it right. could have <laughs> the same movie from the same directors and the same team could have won five years earlier, but in the mind of the executive who's thinking about the slate and which Oscar film that he's going to produce this year yeah. is going to say like, that's still too much of a risk in five years, perhaps maybe that thing could win, but not this year. And, like, I, and then and they're going to lose their window. Like uh, when baseball integrated, there was a lot of players who yeah. could have come in uh, and been incredible Hall of Fame players. And any one of these teams could have had them. Uh, but just didn't in, yeah. in there. It, it, you know, right or wrong. Branch Rickey of the Dodgers said it has to be Jackie because Jackie's the only one who is talented enough that fans will see and go like, oh, he's definitely deserving of being here. But he's also equipped to handle the. Racial all, slurs being all the you, all yeah. the shit that goes along with it. So uh, th- there were a lot of black players who were going to be the first and got passed over because they didn't have the special connection uh, or the special combination of incredible talents and ability to handle it. And the voice that, that sounded good on radio. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, like, it, it's just uh, I don't know. I, I, th- I think it's overdue. I don't like how the Academy. Th- the problem is the Academy always misses the opportunity when they force it through. <laughs> yeah. Like two years ago when they did the popular Oscar. Yeah. And then like everyone's just like, this is the worst idea ever. Like they could have hypothetically said, uh, hey, we're thinking about doing a a second event. Like, you know, like in the lead up to the Oscars and we're going to give out a best popular movie. It's going to be a new thing. And like they could have figured out a way to present this that would have like. People would have been like, okay, let's give it a try. Let's see what's up. No, they said, we're the Oscars. We know best. <laughs> we know what's New going category. on. <laughs> uh, and that's the same thing that I feel like is going on. Like, you know, because anytime somebody comes in and they're like, new rule. It's just like, fuck the rule. We yeah. did fine without the rule. Why do we need the rule? <laughs> like, Who are you, Kirstie Alley now? <laughs> uh, I will say that one thing, though. The, uh, the Phantom Thread unknown picture, picture B. Yeah. Uh, I think that maybe that argument changes in 2026 when we see if much like you outlined in 2024 or five, you get that a versus B where they're like, they barely, they hit 30% and stopped because then maybe you're the executive and you're like, listen, Paul's got a whole crew he likes to work with. And I don't know if we're going to be able to, to, we're going to have to make an effort to hit the rule. So maybe we wait every traditionally December, January, start looking at Hollywood reporter and then start seeing how or variety or any of these or page six and see how many stories are about, Something that happened with a movie that's nominated for an award. Yeah. Where it's just like, you know, like, you know, somebody on Phantom Thread broke their leg when they fell out a window. And that's supposed to scare the one person who's just like, that happened to me once. I'm yeah. not voting for that movie. <laughs> like, I can't vote for it's that. Like, it's just like the weird headlines of like, oh, by the way, did you know that the uh, guy who wrote this movie is 
gay? And it's like, oh my God, how, how could I possibly look at my friends in the he's, eye and vote for this? <laughs> he's a communist, Corey. Yeah, like Corey back, well, a communist. <laughs> back in the day, yeah. And honestly, like, like, I'm waiting for the like, listen, he was in a wheelchair during shooting because he broke his like skiing a month before. <laughs> like, he's not actually disabled. He was just, he had a broken leg. And you're like, oh, really? Are we? Well, the you know, uh, honestly, I I know they say uh, they, they weren't incredibly, uh, 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 on point about like what disabled necessarily yeah, meant. Yeah, and I yeah. do wonder while while a lot of people have the mind that physically disabled is the is probably what they mean there. Uh, I would be curious to see if somebody like you know like I have ADHD. Do I qualify as disabled? That is like, an interesting point. It's uh, you know I wouldn't ever use it as like a hey you can hire me. I have ADHD. I yeah. fit the qualification. You know, but like. Does it count? I don't know. Like, if you can get a prescription in California, does that make you disabled <laughs> as far as a movie set goes? Because there's a lot of people who would qualify under that. <laughs> All right, we have really bad anxiety. We've spent way too long on this entire show. What? Especially in the middle. No way. <laughs> so what are you talking I'm gonna about? tell you to go to OTHEANTHEM.com, OTHEANTHEM on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and the listen line, 443-219-7595. What's the number again? 443-219-7595. You can go to my website, CoreyBakerFilmmaker.com, Facebook.com forward slash CoreyBakerFilm, and at LegendCB5 on Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok until Trump bans it. Uh, uh, no, it got bought by Oracle. It's yeah, fine. Yeah. We'll get into that more, too. Too much of a show, clearly. Um, <laughs> working on new content, uh, forever a problem. Uh, not with Rob. You'll hear soon. But that's it for me. <laughs> well, and Corey, if we cut out the middle, you would cut out the part where I actively advocated for the continuing war against police. I don't know why you would want to cut that part out. <laughs> yeah. but, uh, anyway, if you'd like to hear more from me, <laughs> you can find more uh, at my website. Robert why at, would you? <laughs> RobertEdCheek.com. Um, I'm doing a daily podcast. It's Rob Explains. You can find that on Anchor, on YouTube, although the videos are going to get a little more sparse as we get going. Um, and, uh, of course, I have the Everyman Movie Review, two reviews a week. Uh, we just had, uh, I don't know. There's a lot of, pop I got uh, American Pickle coming out. Uh, Vivarium came out recently. Uh, Assistant was on Sunday. That's the new one that's out. Uh, and American Pickle's coming out next week. So look for that. Uh, I'm working on new screenplays. I'm working on new books. I got a lot of stuff coming. RobertNCheek.com for all those links that you can always find that at. Well, I think we've done good here today. <laughs> wow, you're rushing out. Is it because you're hot, Corey? Yes. You look a little sweaty. Yeah. If you hear that in the background, that's the AC that could not wait until we went left. Oh, yes. It was either that or pass out on camera. So. <laughs> I would take the, uh, the latter. Pick your choice. Yeah. Uh, we've done something. I don't know if it's good. But as always, you're listening to the Anthem Podcast, part of the growing OD Anthem Digital Network. For Corey, this is Rob. Have a great week, everybody. <laughs> Please don't listen to Rob. Bye. <laughs> hey, didn't you say?